a while. I see a man in that chair who could just as easily be on this side of the table. That muscle's just for show. Helps me lift stuff. Man principal. Relinquish it now. You know the difference between right or wrong. And you have a moral compass. I knew before you told me that you got an American flag in your home, you probably got more than one. You're a patriot. my business. I do things direct and I have a system. Won't last Minimum freedom. I'm not going to tell you anything you want to hear and prison will give me plenty of time to look at guys I don't like. All righty. All right. So that's uh, the trailer for Brawl and Cell Block 99. All right. Uh, you know what? It, you know, shit, I was going to do it. All right. Pretty much the synopsis of this film, is, or the summary pretty much, is that uh, it's set during pretty much now time. And it starts off with Vince Vaughn, um, who plays a character named Bradley. And uh, when it starts off, he works for an automotive place. I think he's like a tow truck driver or mechanic slash both or whatever. And he appears at his job. And when he gets there, uh, he immediately gets fired from the job. And so he goes home and he goes home early and he discovers his wife played by Jennifer Carpenter from Dexter, uh, that, uh, he just finds out something out about her that she was doing behind his back and she's cheating on him. And, uh, there's a cheating bitch, you know, and it goes from there. He pretty much, he, um, you know, they have an actual human conversation between themselves. That seems very realistic, you know, and, and he takes fall. He takes, you know, um, he he takes blame for part of you know what went wrong in the relationship, and she takes blame as well. And you find out that she had a miscarriage, and it's it's messed their their marriage up since it happened. And uh, well, anyway, pretty much, and this all happens in the first fifteen twenty minutes. But um, it gets to um, where you find out that he used to do do drug running for for a friend of his named Gil, and. He decides that, you know, because he's tired of them living where they live, you know, which is a, a shitty neighborhood, you know, with gangbangers and stuff like that, uh, that he just he wants a better life for him, his wife and, and everything. So and then they might try to have a kid, uh, another kid down the road. So then it cuts to 18 months later and it shows him delivering drugs to um, like some guy's you know, house in an apartment. And and then it just shows the life he's living. Now he's got a brand new Dodge Charger or yeah, Charger. Yeah, that he's, that he's cruising around and. And making deliveries in, and then he, he shows him, you know, going to his house that, you know, there's two luxury SUVs out front, and uh, the house is really, really nice. You know that him and his wife have plenty of money now, and the the the, the, the he ends up getting into something because of the drug dealing, um, the drug running. He gets involved. His boss gets involved with these people that he has to help, end up working for, running, doing a job with, and then things go downhill from there because of it. Um, the uh, the title of the film can be a little deceptive because the title, by it being called a Brawl in Cell Block 99, gives the impression that the whole movie is going to be set in jail, and it is not. The uh, this movie this this two hour and uh, twelve minute movie is I would say over half of it is before it even gets to prison, which is good. I, I'm glad that this movie was as long as it was. Because it sets up Vince Vaughn's character very, very good, and the situation, the all the ordeal that he has to go through. It, it if you had tried to cram this into a ninety-minute film, it, it wouldn't have worked. I, well, it would. I mean, it could have worked like Drive, because this movie does have somewhat of a Drive um, feel to it. But uh, I, I think that just to flesh out everything, I'm glad that it was as long as it was. Um, I actually, I really like this movie uh, because it's for one, you get to see. Vince Vaughn in a raw performance where he's not inhibited by the confines of shitty comedy. You know what I mean? Instead, he's he um he gets to actually show what he's got, and which is he's got fucking really good acting skills. You know, this is uh look. I, I, even though we've seen fifty one movies in theaters so far this year, it's hard for me to pinpoint who the, all the best actors might be. 
But I'm telling you that from what we've seen, because we haven't seen all the Oscar contenders, but right. from all the movies we've seen this year, his performance is definitely in my top ten performances that I've seen this year. What I saw, because I haven't seen it, uh-huh. but um, watching the trailer, yeah. generally you don't see Vince Vaughn do a lot, and that's just a blanket statement. You don't see Vince Vaughn do a lot of serious roles anyways. Yeah. But when he... When he does do them, yeah, he's really good in them. When he was in Mister and Mrs. Smith, he played a serious, he yeah. played a kind of serious role, but he played Brad Pitt's best friend. Yeah, and that was a role that I liked him in because he didn't overdo it. You uh-huh. know, yeah, he he, it, it's like Ed Helms. Ed Helms is also starting to become that Vince Vaughn type character actor. Yeah, where he's just in everything and he has to act. Hangover crazy, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Whereas Vince Vaughn would have to act back to school crazy or old school crazy. Yeah. You know, or whatever. Um, it's it's refreshing to see. Uh, we we watched the trailer like 97 thousand times. Yeah. <laughs> technical difficulties, but it's refreshing to see Vince Vaughn as a as an actor. Yeah. He's really good. I, I mean. Excelente, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so what here, okay, I'll pretty much just give you my good, the bad, and the ugly on this movie, all right? Because that's how we're going to start doing this anyway, right? So uh, the good on it is 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 all the scenes that happen in the movie. There's a lot of fucking scenes that are really cool. Um, there's the scene where in the trailer where you see him beating up the car. Yeah. Okay, that's when he, after he found out his wife, you know, was cheating on him, right? He I just, was just kidding about that when I said cheating. Yeah. That no. bitch cheating. Yeah. And uh, it just, dude, he beats the shit out of that fucking car, man. It, it was, I mean, you could kind of tell that some parts were laid out for him to be, to easily destroy, but like when he flips the hood off, but right. still, it, it still works. And it shows just like, like all this anger that he, his character holds in him that he never lets really out, right? Because the guy, you find out throughout the film that he um, he boxed a little bit when he was younger, but he never really you know, fully went into it, but he never lost either. He just said he got tired of it. Right. And then, uh, you know, and he used to run drugs before, before he became, um, you know, a mechanic or, or a tow truck driver or whatever. And, you know, so you can tell this guy has had it rough already. I mean, besides the fact that you see in the trailer, he has this huge cross uh, tattooed on the back of his head, right? Right. So, um, which straight up, I mean, just the style right there reminds me of Edward Norton's character in American History X, in a way. Uh, but yeah, the, the, it's the it's the whole this 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 movie has this fucking style to it. Besides, like I said, Vince Vaughn carrying the whole film, but it's the grittiness of it. It's like it's very much like Drive in the, in the gritty style of it. Uh, the music, the soundtrack is. I don't know if it could be off putting to some, but it gives this fucking seventies vibe. Which what it's ultimately is what the director um, intended on doing was um, was going back to uh, grindhouse uh, cinema was uh, with some of the style of this film and so there's people like the OJ's that did a couple songs made now they wrote them now for this movie that are in it and a guy named Butch uh, Butch Tavares um, who I guess is with a group called the Tavares or whatever but um, they have right. songs in this that that they, they straight up feel like you're in the 70s. So you feel like you're watching those those types of, uh, you know, the, like, almost like the black exploitation films of that of that era, right? And, but here, the, and, and the good the good with all of that is, like I said, when he's smashing up the car, there's a part where he's doing, has, there's a shootout at the docks um, and where he's doing this, this drug run and, and Udo Kier, holy shit. Udo Kier, if you remember him, he was in Blade, you know, damn it, Frost, I'm talking to you. And, uh, you know, he was also in Johnny Mnemonic, Johnny Mnemonic right. with Keanu Reeves. You almost fucking killed me. Right. He's almost, when he gets um, loud and upset in a movie, his real German comes out and he sounds almost like Arnold. But um, anyway, his character plays this creepy fucking like representative for the for this drug lord, this drug dealer guy. And he, he's got a couple creepy scenes. His character's name is the Placid Man. Huh. Right. So yeah, there's that, um, and then that that adds in an element, this creepy, like I said, like the '70s, you know, grindhouse movie, you know, vibe to it, right? And then you also have uh, when when Vince Vaughn's character goes to prison, he goes to different, he like he like has to go through these levels of 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 getting into the more worser part of the prison because first he starts in minimum secure or medium security. Then he goes to maximum security. Then he goes to red leaf and red leaf is like this fucking black site on the prison grounds that's run by Don Johnson's character. 
He plays uh he plays Warden Tugs, right? Instead of uh, you know Crockett or Tubbs, <laughs> right? Right. But um, he's very uh, Lee Van Cleefish in the role, and he reminded me of like a poor man's Lee Van Cleef with the with the with the role. Like he was on purpose, you know what I mean? Like a little over the top when you first see him, you're like, this is a little over the top, and um, that that kind of bleeds into my bad with the movie, and the bad is. Um, there's a, the style to me was at first misinterpreted because as like just bad movie making at first, because the first half of the movie, um, there's no, it doesn't feel like it's trying to grab like some of the bad filmmaking vibe of the seventies, you know, um, grindhouse films. It, it just felt like it was made to look gritty, but that's it. Right. But then when you get farther into all the prison stuff, with the with the over the top violence where like skulls are getting crashed, you know, caved in and shit like that, and it's and they're using dummies on purpose, and you can tell that they're the, the dummies are obvious. Um, it it that it so for it may go into the just gritty to gritty and fucking cheesy in a way with the with the violence, right? It it threw me off at first, like is this just bad filmmaking? But then when I read about it afterwards, I'm like, oh well, the the music was, you know, they purposely had the OJ's make new music for this movie on purpose, and they also used the mannequins to look like mannequins, you know, for a quick like you know one 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 frame, mm-hmm. you know, where you can tell it's a dummy. Um, they did that. He they said they did it on purpose because they wanted to grab that grindhouse effect. Oh, cool. So it works because there's some over the top fucking shit that I'm not, I don't want to get into, but. Um, but that then that that's my ugly. The ugly is these fucking head smashes that happen. I mean, fucking jawbone comes out, and I mean, just it's fucking gross. But it's cool at the same time. Toxic Avengers style. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, but it, but it's cool because you know what what it is, right? So, um, so anyway, I this movie was really fucking good. I mean, like I I heard people talking about it on like movie sites and stuff about how good it was. But finally seeing it when I rented it on Redbox. It's got a 92% approval rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the director, um, Craig uh, Zahler, or Zoller, or Zoller, however you want to pronounce it, uh-huh. he wrote and directed Bone Tomahawk. So now right there, you know what kind of style you're getting, right? right. And good writing. Um, and also, he's got another movie that's coming out this year um, that he's making right now called Dragged Across Concrete, starring Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn. Nice. Which both of them were in Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, and then Jennifer Carpenter is also going to return for that one as well. And Lori Holden, who was in uh, The Walking Dead and a lot of Frank Darabont stuff. Uh, anyway, so, I, but look at, these are the two movies he's made so far. And I've seen, I, I bought Bone Tomahawk on a, on just a, what do they call that, a blind buy? Uh-huh. Like, because it was like five bucks on some special Blu-ray deal. So I bought that shit and I watched it. I'm like, oh, so I'm so glad I did. Because it, it's it's one of those Westerns that's actually worth owning and worth seeing. Which so. we've actually previously done in another yeah. pick of the week. Oh, yeah, and your brother, your brother Mark brought him up uh, in one thing. Got me interested in it in the first place was when he showed me that scene where the dude's getting cut in half. Right. Or what do they call it? Bisected. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, anyway, uh, Brawl and Cell Block 99 is really fucking good. Vince Vaughn, um, I don't know if he's going to get an Oscar nomination because there's so many other people out there, but he should be at least in some kind of major consideration for it because he was really fucking good. And I, I, I really, we as movie fans need to see him do more movies like this because he shines in them big time. So, all right, that's all I got because I don't want to give too much of the movie away. It, it's just really entertaining to watch. And it's it's definitely worth seeing. The ending for me is though, here, here's the ending is bittersweet. And, the, and it's bittersweet in this way where... It does what those seventies grindhouse movies end like, which is gonna be vague. I'm not gonna give it away. But at the same time, it's like after you've seen it, you're like, because of that ending, do you really want to see that ending again when you watch it? Kinda off putting. That's all I'm gonna say. All right. But that's up to you. Maybe you're into that style. So, you know, to each his own, but I highly recommend uh Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine. Okay. Okay. My choice of the week or pick of the week is uh, Stranger Things Season 2, and yeah. we're going to run the trailer for that here. All right. Do the one. Here we go. Are you going to do this? Let's see. Bueller. <laughs> Dragon Slayer. God, that game was so fucking magical to me as a kid. In the first five minutes of this of this season, I already got the '80s vibe and the, just the, the fanboy chills. Nothing's gonna go back to where it was. Not really. I saw something. What is it? 
That's a good fucking trailer, man. It is. That is a really good trailer. The problem is, is when you're going to do the thriller breakdown, mm-hmm. you got to do it right. You got to do it really right. See, that's not right. You got to do the real thriller. Nobody cares. There's nothing. Because nobody gives a shit about Insidious. Here it comes. The bass line, which is actually, it's bass, it's in the keyboard, is so fucking kick ass. Like, I could listen to this bass line forever and ever and ever. It doesn't matter because as soon as it starts, it's. That whole fucking breakdown is just great. I always thought it would be cool during Halloween for everybody at the front end of the register to actually do this when it fucking when um, when the song comes on, yeah. just have it, and then just have everybody stop what they're doing and just start doing this. And then go back to doing their thing. But this is extended. And then Michael Jackson's disclaimer at the beginning. I do not personally endorse the cult. All right. So there we go. I just had to break that down because I just love the fucking thriller breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I have that. I still have, out of the few rare things I still have on VHS, I have the making of thriller video on, on it. Nice. So it's Halloween. Stranger, <laughs> Stranger Things 2 starts off about... Six months or so? Uh, it, no, it's like eight months. Yeah, eight, eight to nine months, yeah. Awesome, thanks. Almost a year. Six months or so? <laughs> it's Halloween the next year. Yes. And weird things are going on, but it the whole the whole series is set up with one scene from Stranger Things Part 1, and it's when the buyer's kid. Will. Thank you. Yeah. As if they didn't know. Well, you look like you were like trying to think of it. When the buyer's kid, I was kind of. There's two of them. Thank there's, you. There's the ones with the druggy, you know, fucking bags under his eyes. And then there's, you know. One. Yeah. I'm not talking about Bill Hader's twin. I'm talking about <laughs> the kid. So the buyer's kid pukes something up into the sink and it goes in down into the drain. Yeah. He pu- What he puked up was a piece of this 
the other side. This they're calling it. Well, in, in the first one, they called it Demogorgon. This one is the Mind Flare. So they're working off Dungeons and Dragons terms. So he pukes up this piece of the Mind Flare, and what it does is once it gets into the sewer systems, it starts to expand. Nobody knows what's going on. And then Season 2 takes place, and this thing has already grown exponentially. And the funny thing is, is now Sheriff Hopper, who has sobered up pretty much, um, is working on becoming healthier. It's really weird. And the one of the farmers comes into the, the to the sheriff's station and what had happens is, is he the, the the farmer starts complaining that another farmer is killing his pumpkins yeah he's using some sort of spray to destroy them so hopper goes out there to investigate and as he started to investigate he goes into the woods and he notices that the trees are also damaged and they've got this weird icky substance on them and like they're rotting from the inside yeah so He's got. He's dealing with this, and then the other farmers are starting to notice that the their pumpkins, and it's a retribution thing, and bad things are going on between the the farmers. When they start to realize that it's it's not the farmers that are destroying each other's crops, yeah. it's something in the soil. Yeah. <laughs> so what's going on is that the other side has it, is trying to break through to reality. So it's it's already started to infest the underground of Hawkins, Indiana, and it's and it's trying to get out from this the dark black lab that was run by Matthew Modine and his Yeah, Papa. Yeah, his government guys. Well this time Paul Reiser's leading the charge, except is he a good guy or is he a bad guy? You know, what's his plan? Yeah. Um we we still don't know exactly what his plan is. He seems kinda like this shady piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, like his character Burke from Aliens. Exactly. Yeah. But he's also trying to help the buyer's kid, Will. He's trying to help Will. Yeah. And in between all of this, you're trying to figure out where's L. Where you know where where does everybody else kind of wind up? Yeah. And Will is still having these flashbacks. He's still having this. Let's call PTSD. That's what they're calling it. And the, then they, they um I can't remember his name. The kid with the lisp. He finds a hellhound. Yeah, that's, what, that's what, kind of what they're calling him, and <laughs> he brings it into his house, and it ends up killing his cat. Yeah, and then he has to capture it, right? Well, that doesn't work because the the, the hellhound basically uh, breaks through this little basement thing. Yeah, you're talking about Dustin's character. Yeah, Dustin. Um, the the hellhound breaks through the wall. That's you know it's being held in like this basement thing, this storage area where Will lives. He lives in like a, it's kind of like a cool community center, yeah. like his grandma's house. But it's like, I don't know if it's a retirement home or a trailer park or kind of a little bit of both or yeah. whatever. But that's kind of what it is. And they have like a community storage center, or at least his storage center. And from there, when he traps, I'm gonna hold on. I can't remember what he called the name of. Uh, uh, the stupid little monster. <laughs> it was there. I remember it, but I can't. I'm bringing footing it. Dart. Is, that's who it is. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. In the root cellar. Um, yeah, short for D'Artagnan. Yeah. So everything that's going on up to this point. So I'm I'm just kind of jumping around from character to character, but we're not really. I mean, we we don't really see what's going on with L, um, Will and his and his friends are kind of. Back to normal. Yeah. And one of the things that they do every weekend is they go to the arcade, but one of the new things that's come out is Dragon's Lair. Yeah. So they have to, they're they're saving up all their money. Mm -hmm. They're doing this. And then we also have a new character that's involved named Max. And and Dustin and Will, is it Will? It's Mike. Dustin and Mike um are kind of vying for her attention. Yeah. And it's really funny because Dustin's character, although he, he's like, um, he has no fear. Yeah. He doesn't care. But everybody treats him like shit because they don't take him seriously or, or whatever. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's really cool because he's one of those guys that, I mean, he's super smart. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, he's sciencey. He's hands on. He does, 
he does he lo- he loves to play with electronics and all this other stuff. So he's you know he's he's a tech nerd. He's a nerd or a geek or yeah. whatever you want to call it. You know, and, but he doesn't really care what everybody thinks of him until Max. Until Max, but he, he's kind of awkward around girls. Yeah. And even though he's kind of annoying and whatever else, he's one of those guys that, like, you can see later on in life, is just going to be successful because he has no fear. Uh-huh. You know, he he doesn't let anyone hold him back, and and he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't care about he doesn't care about comments and likes. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So, and then the other guys, I mean, they kind of don't either, but the other guys, they they're more secular. You know, they kind of keep to themselves, whereas Dustin doesn't give a shit. Like one of my favorite scenes is he goes up to um, uh, oh Nancy's parents, Nancy and uh, Will, not Will. I can never forget these people's names. Right? <laughs> There's so many fucking people on the show. Yeah, the, um, the house where everybody goes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, you're talking about you're talking about um, Mike's family. Yeah, Mike and Mike and his sister. Yeah, right. The Wheelers. Yeah, the Wheelers. Thank you. So it's uh, uh, Lucas is Lucas is the black kid, right? Yeah, yeah. I have to figure out all this shit because it's been like four months since I've seen the TV show, and I should know it better. But so he ends up going over to Mike's house to find out where Mike and and his sister are. So he's, and like his dad, his dad just doesn't give a shit. Mike's dad. He's one of those. He's one of those dads that, like, if you ring the doorbell, he doesn't answer it. The mom always has to answer it. She's yeah. like, "Will you answer the fu- the damn door?" Yeah. And she's on the phone for like half hour, forty five minutes at a time, dude. Yeah. And like, like he answers the fucking door, and Dustin's sitting there. He's like, "I've been trying to call you for forty five minutes now. <laughs> you know, why is your phone always busy?" And, and he just straight up keeps questioning this stuff. He's like, "Is Mike home?" No, our kids don't live here anymore, apparently. And he's like, "You know." He's like, son of a bitch. He's like, hey, language. You're like, you know, you, you, you're really no help. You're no help at all to any of us as he's just riding away. Yeah. It's so, it, that made me laugh so much because he just doesn't, he, he always, and, and like, he'll say that to anybody. No filter. Yeah. He doesn't care. He's like, you're just no help to me. You're not, you're not even, you're not even interested in where your kids are. You're so fucking, you're so useless. Yeah. What good are you? Yeah. So, uh, anyways, he, he captures this little, this little, I, I want to call it an alien, you know, like alien from alien yeah. type of monster. It's kind of what it is. It's more, it's more of a dog type thing. It reminded me of, um, of the villain in, um, in her simplest form from uh, Men in Black Two, played by Laura Flynn Boyle's character. Yeah, it reminded me more of the alien from, um, the uh, oh, what do they call those things? They didn't call it the, the Hammerpeed. That's what it reminded me of. Okay. From not not Covenant, but the one before that. Okay. Um, and the Hammerpede is is like an early version, like like the caveman version of Alien. Yeah. But more and this one is more like if you mix the Hammerpede with like the Alien Three Dog Alien. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it has that weird that weird flare head, you know, it has the, the multiple Yeah. You know, like a flower petal. Yeah, like head. a flower petal. So yeah, so I'm just gonna call it the hammer peed dog. And all of this is going on and there's still no answers to why Barb really died. No, they they don't want to talk to her parents about, you know, uh how she actually died. You know, they're still you know, holding out the parents are still holding out hope that she's still out there. Yeah. Things like that. And, you know, so they're trying to make some closure on some of the stuff. And then you have each one of these episodes, which okay, well, each one of the episodes is really good because basically you you have chapter one called Mad Max, and each one is is kind of derivative of a movie or something that's going on in the eighties. Yeah, Mad Max, where we meet Max, the girl from California, who's got all the high scores in the, <laughs> in the arcade, and we still don't know enough about her or her brother. You know, what yeah. I, you know what I love as, as, a, as an 80s nostalgia guy is right when it starts off and you've got Dustin going through couch cushions and stuff. Uh-huh. And I, I instantly knew what he was doing. I did too. Instantly, right? It was awesome. Because I've done the same shit. Yeah. And my, and my, uh, my son Kendrick, he's like, what is he doing? What is he? I go, just keep watching. I know what he's doing. You'll see. You'll see. What the hell is he doing, Dad? Just, just watch. Just watch. And then 
goes to the arcade, boom. You know, like, you see, I said I did yep. the same damn thing. We all did. Hell yeah. Yeah. Ma, come on, another dollar. Another dollar, Ma. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, um, we in episode one, we find out that L is living with Hopper, but why? You know, things like that. Yeah. Um, we figure out why she's living with him. Yeah. And then episode two is called Trick or Treat or, you know, Freak. And um, the guys dress up as Ghostbusters. Yeah. But they, and what's cool is they do it, they, they, I love it when TV shows do this because you have the good TV shows uh-huh. that, when when and then, you ha- and then you have Superstore, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have the good TV shows that will actually take the time to build these sets, and you know, like they do Halloween, whatever. Yeah, and 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 this is what I call the bad part: the guy, the people that are in the TV show are dressed to the nines, one hundred percent, just awesome makeup and whatever else. And then you have Stranger Things, and in Stranger Things. They used vacuum tubes and and little pieces of this and that and the other thing, yeah, to build all this stuff. And it's not even accurate. And what's great about it is that's what people did. Yeah, you know they didn't. And 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 thank thank you, thank you, creators of of Stranger Things for taking the time to do that. Because if they had actually built, you know, the whole proton packs, yeah, proton packs and whatever. That would have been bullshit. Yeah, because they didn't have those back then that I'm aware of. Well, you could have built it. You just you had to figure it out. But they, I'm saying they didn't sell them. <laughs> like you know, you couldn't go to the they local, still don't sell them. the local Woolworths and and buy a replica. Well, you, you could, but uh, it just depends. They, I mean, they did sell that stuff. It just it was few and far between, and you actually had to go to a Halloween store type of thing. Mm-hmm. And they were really really expensive. Fuck yeah, they were. I remember like all those specialty masks, like Ronald Reagan and shit. Like the full head ones, yeah. So that's and then the next episode they call it the Polywog, where he he gets Dart, and then Will the Wise. We find out some you know a magic user, and then Dig Dug, you know, hmm. with with the Dig Dug high scores. And what's funny about that is I work with a kid who looks like the whatever the, the assistant to the oh. arcade. Hmm. You know the guy. Yeah, yeah. I get know. me a date with your sister. Yeah, type of thing. And then, you know, the spy and then Lost Sister, the Mind Flare, which is a Dungeon Dragons thing, the Gate, which is a movie from the eighties. Yeah. Which was super cheesy. Yeah. And then and that's pretty much where it ends up, is it's only nine episodes. Um they fig uh they figure out what is going on with Will and that he's connected, uh, you know, Physically and mentally to this mind flayer thing, mm-hmm. and at the end of the series or at the end of this episode of chapter nine, we still think we still see that he's connected, uh, at least mentally, with this thing. Yeah, <laughs> they figure out that they have to close the gate, in which they end up doing, and, and L has to help with that. And I'm not going to want to get into the whole thing. I just. I you know I don't want to give everything away. He knows how every main character of the kids they all get their own subplots. Yeah, Lucas has his thing, and they don't yeah. kill anybody well, stupidly. <laughs> I know there you know you, you knew it was coming, but it still was it was good. It had a, it had a meaning to it. It's important. Bob, Bob, fuck Bob. It had meaning to it, so it was okay. Oh, you didn't see the picture? What? You didn't see the picture of Sean Astin standing in front of Radio Shack? No. What? What am I not? What am I not aware of here? You're not aware of the fact that he just took a recent picture of him standing in front of Radio Shack that says something along the lines of "Bob is back." No. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to reality, dude. He got gorgoned. <laughs> he, he got. He got demigorg. Gorg. <laughs> he got devil docked. Five days ago. Back on duty. Easy peasy. Okay. Now, who knows? If uh, <laughs> that's awesome, Radio Shack employee of the month, Bob Newby. Um, <laughs> they found a way to stay relevant. Yeah. <laughs> um, I hope that he at least makes an appearance in the next episode, the next series, yeah. like in a flashback or something. Yeah. Or what? Anyways, his character. I I thought there's something more to his character. Uh-huh. I I always thought that that like it was way too convenient that he starts dating Winona Ryder's character and that he accepts everything and this and that and the other thing. Uh-huh. He's just he's just way too accepting and way too nice 
to the kids and <laughs> you know you know here take my take my video camera just you know do this and that and let me show you how to do it and try to you know don't break it type sounds of like that extreme nice guy that I, I I could almost be like him no so <laughs> what the fuck okay so <laughs> you know he he likes Mr Mom and loves Kenny Rogers so you know whatever I just dropped in and I it's one of those things that you like. I don't buy this character. Do you think Bob was bullshit? No, I, I just... No, not bullshit. There's something more to him. Okay, he's got layers. <laughs> like yeah, parfait. Like, like, like a like a onion. And him dying... What if... And here's my thing. What if... What if he's not dead? Okay. You know? What if he's just... He's a plant. You know what I'm saying? He's a, he's a fucking... Watchdog? Yeah, he's he's a guy that's supposed to watch the kids over, you know, and report back to his whatever's yeah, to the facility. Yeah. So, um the surprising point the, the whole surprise of this this uh series for me was Paul Reiser. <laughs> Generally, I can't stand Paul Reiser. He's the poor man's Richard Steve Gutenberg? <laughs> no. Richard Lewis? Richard Lewis. Um I always thought his shtick was just just bullshit. And, t- and the- I didn't watch him in enough things, so I couldn't really. Well, he, he, I, see, I loved him in Aliens. Yeah, but after that, and then he did Mad About You and whatever else. And he was doing the Richard Lewis thing, and you know, why am I doing? This? I almost said that he I'm was gonna talk like this. I almost said that I really liked him in Three Men and a Baby, but that was Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> three Men, Three Men and a Gutenberg. <laughs> yeah. oh, why don't you go bother Steve Gutenberg? He's hiding behind the uh, the Monopoly. Shh, Abe, I'm gonna <laughs> blow it. Um, Family Guy reference. Um, well, I mean, what else did we really watch Paul Reiser in? Did you watch Mad About You? Yeah, but he also did stand-up and everything else. Yeah. So, mm. eh. Meh. And I, I, I didn't... I'm not a Paul Reiser guy. Yeah. But watching him in this, he was fucking great. Him and Matthew Modine. Two char- two actors that I can't stand. Mm-hmm. He was... They were wonderful. <laughs> they really, really made an impact. And it again, it goes to show you how good the Duffer Brothers are at getting subpar actors to become good. So maybe they're not subpar; it's been the shit that they've been in, or haven't been challenged, or yeah. or whatever, or they were just you know fucking they're always phoning in, it in. They're they're always in comedy type stuff, dude. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. Look at look at what happens when you let some of these guys on their own, just like Vince Vaughn. Yeah, you see, I just got to give them a good role. So, all in all, I really, really enjoyed. I, I, I mean, I binge watched both seasons. I'd be like, oh, it's like <laughs> drinking. Oh, I'm gonna watch one more. I'm glad you watched it because I was worried that it, by the time it gets more. to the third season, you're like, it's too late. Can't start it now. Who gives a shit? What do you care? That's right. Shut yeah, up. What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Where the fuck did that come from? Yeah. What do you fucking care if I'm gonna watch it or not? Because uh, we do shows together. So I can talk always about just things. Watch something else. Yeah. Exactly. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Um, I didn't know if I was going to actually like Stranger Things. All these people are talking about how great it is, and you know how I am when it comes to to TV shows and, and don't, the don't whole talk nostalgia about me and what I do. Okay, don't talk about me. Yeah, don't talk about my place. Yes, but you, you know, <laughs> you, you know how I am when it comes to oh, you got to watch this, you got to watch that, this, and this fucking you know the the nostalgia thing will throw you back, and, you, and then you go and watch, and you're like. Why I try, this is garbage. That's why I try not to blow things up too big for, for people, but... This is really good. And Stranger Things, yeah. If you like 80s stuff, dude, you're going to love Stranger Things. Yeah, and and they don't bullshit with the... the they're just going to throw out references and whatever else. Yeah. They immerse themselves in this 80s, and they're in a small town in Hawkins. They're not in fucking California or New York or Boston where everybody can go, oh, yeah, you can remember that. <laughs> right, or, you know, so they go on... The roller coasters, you know, like Santa Cruz in the 80s and yeah. Six Flags or whatever else. They're in fucking Hawkins, Indiana. Yeah. You know, the you know the butthole of Indiana. Yeah, good luck whatever. getting HBO out there. Yeah, or cable TV. They probably had cable TV. They had cable TV in Hawkins, Indiana, but they didn't have it in fucking San Jose, California. And one of them. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I lived in a, I lived in San Jose, California. That close to the Bay Area. I, no fucking. I lived in San Jose, California, and and where I lived, there was a park right right by the houses. Yeah. <laughs> fucking. You're gonna look up the motherfucking park. Yeah, I'll just there we go. 
In fact, I'll show you where I lived. But I, I want to show you because this is fucking hilarious. <laughs> so, Branham Lane is one of the major thoroughfares. It's like Highway 49, okay? That and name's then, really familiar. And then you have, you have Snell Avenue. Okay, so here's Branham Lane. And I lived here. This is Holicon. My buddy lived over here. Scott lived over here. Ronnie lived over here. And, and everybody, Kenny McLaughlin lived over here. And, like, you know these fucking people. So there's Parkview Park. So we would ride up Parkview Park. And Parkview Park is literally one, two, three, like seven houses away. Everybody that lived on the other side of Parkview Park mm-hmm. had fucking inter- had cable TV. Everybody that lived on this, um, so if you if if you made Parkview Park the north part, yeah. So Parkview Park is the north, and Brandon Lane is the south. Everything, everything north of Parkview Park, yeah. You could have cable TV, and like some of the other places around. <laughs> Anything south of Parkview Park, no cable TV. Few well, exceptions. And what was the reason? I don't know. That's mm-hmm. fucking dumb. I don't, I, I'm not a fucking city built planner. Anyways, so. I bet that place looks hella different now. Uh, this is the tree that I hit uh, going 25 miles an hour. <laughs> Who won? Uh, the tree. <laughs> the fucking stupid question. I'm still standing better than <laughs> I ever did. All right, so this is the. Feeling like a true survivor. This is. Like a little kid. The house. So, Look at that. You can see the reflection of their stupid camera. So, right? See it? See the shadow? Oh, great. Who cares? <laughs> Look at it. It's right there. So <laughs> so there was a huge fucking, where this tree is, Yeah. there was a huge one of those fucking cactuses right there. Cacti. So, there was a huge <laughs> cactus right there yes. that we ripped out. And then on the other side- Did you eat it? Where the, um, this hedge is, yeah. there's another huge cactus right there. That door was never there. When we were there, this is a two-story house. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> then hmm. this house right over here. So if I did that and did this, that's Ronnie's house, and that's uh, Maria's house, and then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> if we went down the street, there was a guy. Mm, two or three houses. Look at the palm trees. Remember the palm trees? Yeah, those palm trees grew. There, I think it's this house right here. Anyways, there was a guy that had a six, a seventy. 70 Camaro, mm-hmm. and he would fucking burn ass down the street. Oh. Still no speed bumps. <coughs> no, there's no speed bumps. Fuck. That's my, I, I think I hate that more than weirdos is fucking speed bumps as a Lyft driver. I fucking hate them. You send me to Florin. Motherfucker, I hate people when they send me to Florin or Del Vazo Heights because, not because the fucking, not because of the, the bangers and shit. Speed bumps. Yeah. Undulations. All, it's all about you, Joe. Speed tables. Trying to tell a fucking story, but it somehow turns all about you. Well, keep talking, then, motherfucker. I am. All yeah. I see you doing is map questing the fuck out of this street. I'm map questing it on purpose because right, right where that shadow is of the um, camera on top of the Google car. No. All right. So right where that there's a crack in the road right here that goes across. Crack. And that's where. So we had a fucking football field painted. We actually we actually walked a hundred yards straight back. And and we marked out the football field. Yeah, game on. Yep, always. So we, we would play football in the fucking a- on the asphalt instead of the park right there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, we did the same shit. I... <laughs> what are you? Yeah. What are you a pussy? No. No, I... it's funny. So, it's... Yeah. But yeah, I. So here's the park. Yeah, yeah, we always fucking play in the street. And there's a pool over here and everything else. And it, it, this is you know this is the '80s. This is what was so great about this is that. I mean, this hasn't changed. This has been 30 years since I've been there. Yeah. And they still have the dirt here and whatever else. And we used to ride our bikes and fucking burn out and that. And there was a fucking family probably still lives there. But, you know, we used to play football in the park and we used to play baseball in the park and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, go from there. It was actually fucking cool. Um, do I miss it? No. Why not? What do you mean, why not? Why, why don't you miss it? Why would I miss it? New experiences and... and First time this, first time that, all that. Why would I miss it? Oh, wait, you were an asshole when you were a kid, weren't you? You were like a... You you completely don't understand fucking reality. What? I don't miss it. Why would I miss it? Why are you defensive about it? I'm not being defensive. It just doesn't make any sense for you to say, why would you miss it? Why, why don't you miss it? Well, if you're fond of it, then why wouldn't you miss it? 
You don't. I'm not saying you have to write a fucking song. Why do you and, have and, to miss it if you're fond of it? Where are we going with this? I'm trying to figure out what the fuck you're saying. That's what's going on. Do you miss being a kid and doing that no, stuff? No. Why would I do that? Okay, fine. There, you. you that's an open question because I think only you can answer that. No, it, 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 it just brings back memories and we just move on. Shit. I still I miss something. On. I miss my dad. I don't miss living in San Jose. Well, there are degrees of missing. Okay, fine. Whatever. Yes, you, well, I, I, I don't know. You're different, man. I don't know. Some things you're like a fucking robot about. I don't know. It's weird. Mm. You're kind of like it either has to be one exactly one way or the other. No, it doesn't. There's no middle in there. No, that's your perception of me. There it is. Hellier Park. There used to have, there used to be a fucking um, BMX bike park Tur- here. Tournament. BMX bike park. Did you like perform like you know, try to do like uh, no, reenactments uh, from the film Rad? No, it was a BMX bike park where you race bikes. Send me an angel. It's like the theme song of that movie. You're killing me, Smalls. Yeah, I know you watched Rad back in the 80s. Don't say you didn't, because you did. Watch what? Rad. A no. movie called Rad. No. It's about bikes. No, Joe. I actually went out and did stuff. I didn't live my life through TV or movies. Was that, was that a remark? Yes. It was a total remark. So, no. I had no idea what the fuck Rad was. You know, I did shit and I played at the same time, right? I'm sure you did. But I, I didn't watch movie. I, th- this is what I did. I played a lot of baseball, mm-hmm. and I rode my bike a lot, and once in a while I went to the movies. Not all the time. And I love comics and whatever else, but I, none of that shit. You were drinking, weren't you? No. Smoking in the boys' room. No, none of that stuff. I was riding my bike and playing baseball. That's what I did. What? <clears throat> There's an actual Hollywood San Jose. Who knew that? This is Hollywood. I didn't even know that. Hey, what's your dream? Anyways, so when when I watch Stranger Things, it reminds me uh, the way that some of the houses are set up and how close they are um, of doing all that stuff when I was in San Jose. And what's really cool about it is how detailed these guys are with everything that they do for the TV show. Where's the Silicon Valley to that? Uh, so, I'm sorry, Silicon. It's, it's actually technically Silicon Valley. This is all Silicon Valley. Hmm. Los Gatos, Saratoga, Palo Alto, this whole quarter. Los Gatos, isn't that expensive? Yeah, they're all expensive. Uh, this is, Apple used to be over here. So, right here. Anyways. Oh, look. Oh, you know, I don't think I've heard your opinion about um, about T.J. Miller not coming back to Silicon Valley. I don't know. I really have to do the review, but... Silicon Valley. <laughs> All right. Because um, he felt, I thought he was like a staple of the show. For him to be gone, it's weird. I listened to his interview with Jim Norton, and he was talking about Silicon Valley. He was talking about a whole bunch of other things. And he doesn't like to spend much time on any one project for any length of time. Um, and I think it's mostly because he... doesn't want to get accused of rape. Yeah, he doesn't want to get accused of rape. Um, too late. Uh, he because he doesn't like he like in some sense he f- seems like he doesn't feel worthy. That's what it sounds like. Hmm. The truth of the matter is, I think that he's self-destructive. Like he'll do stuff for a while and then he'll stop because he just doesn't want to do it anymore. He's bored with it, so he becomes like I said. I think it's self-destructive um, personality. Um, I think that T.J. Miller is one of those guys that if 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 it's not, then this is my opinion, if it's not instant gratification yeah. type of thing and he has to wait, well, tough shit. He doesn't yeah. want to wait. And, you know, he doesn't like waiting for scripts to be done or, you know, how long it takes for filming and this and that. He just wants to do, 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 do. And that's fine, but... My problem is, is that if you're gonna if you're gonna commit to something, commit. And if you can't commit to long term, you know, with few exceptions. But if you're on a TV show and whatever else, your character's kind of getting stale. Yeah. And that's the other thing. I think his character's getting stale. That's that's what I heard. Um, and he just got bored with it. That's why Jessica Lange left uh, American Horror Story because even though every season she played a completely different character. She said she didn't want her it to become cliche with every season. Her just playing, you know, her being there. She said she didn't want it to get. Old. She said it was starting to feel old, so yeah. she left. Yeah, and I what was it after the fourth season or fifth season? Yeah, after the fifth season. 
I don't have a problem with it in particular. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I my Fourth. my view is yeah. not is not popular. I think that um, TJ, I think TJ is an okay actor. Uh, he was good in Deadpool <laughs> and a couple of other things, but yeah, you know, we'll see what's going on with this whole rape thing. This whole rape thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, was there any news that was worth the uh, worth uh, mentioning or fucking sexually assaulting? Oh yeah, he was born four years after me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, there, I haven't seen much in the way of news. I mean, there, I know that um, he had a pretty detailed uh, response to that accusation from the girl that he went to college with, from both him and his uh, his wife. Yeah, alleged victim of. Let's see. Let's read this. Um, the only thing that I saw uh, trailer wise is Proud Mary. I haven't seen much in the way of what's coming out for January. We'll call this compelled light. Uh, let's see. Accusations were eventually addressed by student court at George Washington University and have been buzzed about in Hollywood and stand-up circles for years. He tried a lot of things without asking me. At no point asked me if I was all right. He choked me, and I kept staring at his face, hoping he would see that I was afraid and that he would stop. I couldn't say anything. I know it sounds condescending, but deal. Uh, Miller's alleged victim, who asked to remain anonymous, said she was coming forward now in part because of societal awakening of the two issues of sexual harassment and assault. This has come in the aftermath of misconduct. Blah, blah, blah. The Daily Beast is withholding her identity because of her fears of retribution. Um, for what? Like, is she in the industry? Miller has told friends over the years that he was wrongfully accused. In a statement, Milliner's wife, Kate, denied any wrongdoing. Instead, they cast themselves as victims. Sarah began to circulate rumors online once my and Kate's relationship became public. Sadly, she is now using the current climate to bandwagon and launch these false accusations again. It is unfortunate that she is using this route as it undermines the important movement to make women feel safe coming forward about legitimate claims against known real predators. Miller began shaking her violently and punched her in the mouth during sex. But it's not Sarah who has come forward. The Daily Beast has corroborated details of her story, which include two separate incidences with five GW contemporaries and spoke to numerous associates of both her and Miller. Uh, Two of the contemporaries said they were in the off-campus house where the alleged incident occurred. The contemporaries later testified in student court about hearing the sound of violent thuds or seeing bruises on Sarah. Three other contemporaries said they comforted and consoled counseled <coughs> Sarah in the aftermath of the incidences. Matt Lord was one of them, an ex-boyfriend of Sarah's. He told the Daily Beast that he continues to believe her story more than a decade after the fact. Um, uh, I had a romantic relationship with her, who, this is the Matt guy, um, who spoke with me about T.J. Miller sexually assaulting her. He works as an attorney in Montague, Massachusetts. At the time, I believe the statement she made regarding the assault and I continue to believe the statements she said are true. She was engaged in student conduct proceedings regarding the assault. I remember the emotional toll that the assault took on her. In the years since, Miller has attempted to address the lingering allegations by occasionally making light of them. He's privately joked about committing violence against a woman in the past. Uh, according to three sources in the comedy world, perhaps this is why some female performers and comedy professionals have declined to work with Miller, citing a perceived history of abusive behavior. The incidences took place at GW where Miller was a student and Sarah was taking classes but not matriculating. They fell in with the same comedy troupe, um, during which time they struck up a relationship. Months into their relationship, um, Sarah said she first had... She recalled having a lot to drink and admitted there are parts I don't remember. She stressed that it's important to me to cop to that. I'm not interested in forcing a pretend memory on anyone 15 years later. I remain terrified of accusing someone of something they didn't do, but I have a visual and physical memory of that. Uh, Sarah said she has a distinct memory that they were fooling around at her place. Miller began shaking me violently and punched her in the mouth during sex. Sarah said she woke up the following morning with a fractured tooth and a bloodied lip. When she asked Miller about it, he claimed, according to Sarah, that she had simply fallen down drunkenly the past evening. She was unsettled by the incident, but said that she did not know many people in D.C. and continued to see Miller. Um and felt that she was someone she trusted. Um, she didn't want to believe that it was true. She didn't, couldn't bring herself to believe that it had happened. A few days after the first incident, Sarah got word that she would no longer be participating in recess. Uh, that's the comedy troupe. She was upset and disappointed and said that she had called Miller to confide in him, 
She had not fully processed the first encounter, she said, and Miller was still someone she believed she could turn to in time of stress and vulnerability. <clears throat> um, she met Miller at a college party, uh, and her and Miller left in a cab to go back home. Um, they began to engage in consensual sex. Miller became violent. She emphasized that she had not had more than two drinks that evening and that her memory of the following five-hour ordeal was and is crystal clear. Um, I was genuinely terrified and completely surprised. I understand now that this is for some people a kink, and I continue to believe it is something that should be entered into by consenting parties. But as someone who had only begun having sexual encounters like about three months earlier, I had no awareness this was a kink, and I had certainly not entered into any agreement that I would be choked. I was fully paralyzed. Uh, she claimed that she was choking audibly to the point that her roommates could hear what was happening. <coughs> One of her roommates had asked if uh, she was okay. I don't know. She responded before shutting the door. I'll talk to you in the morning. Uh, he pulled me back to the bed and more things happened. Um, blah, blah, blah. We don't have to get into the details. Uh, Miller finally left her appointment apartment around 5. The next morning, Sarah said she confided in her roommates about what had happened. One of those housemates... Um, confirmed as much to the daily news. I knew TJ was in her bedroom and I was in my bedroom, which was a wall away. My roommate was in my bedroom with me and we heard a loud smacking noise and we were concerned. The very next day when we talked to Sarah, she was upset and said he had hit her in a very violent way. Um, okay, so this goes on and on and on and on. Here is our take on it, I guess. Um, TJ Miller's a piece of shit liar. Um, there's way too many people that are corroborating everything that had happened. This all happened before he was known as a celebrity. Yes, and the girl that's talking about it right now isn't looking for... Um, notoriety? Notoriety. She's trying to stay kind of in the shadows. She doesn't want her name yeah. out there. <laughs> she has been very frank about everything that's going on, and... Um, Miller has had a bunch of his shows pulled from Comedy Central and Netflix and whatever else. Look, in light of everything that's going on right now, if you don't want to believe what these women are saying, that's on you. But when you have people that are backing up what these people are saying, even though it's 15 years difference, yeah. there's not much they can do about it. <clears throat> um, it gives them strength, and that's what you need. So... Unless TJ can prove otherwise, she has corroborating evidence. People that, sorry, people that have said that they have heard this, they witnessed it, they saw the bruises, she broke a tooth. I mean, if she broke a tooth, there's obvious fucking, she had to go to the dentist. Yeah. So, you know, when there's there's that evidence right there. So if TJ Miller is this type of person, then... Yeah. I'm not interested in anything he does anymore. I mean, the only other way is if she's fucking absolutely insane and she did all this shit to herself. <laughs> yeah, she threw herself down a fucking flight of stairs. I mean, look, my my ex, she, there was times where I was I tried to leave and she threatened to fucking beat herself up in front of the mirror and then tell the cops I fucking beat on her. So I Look, it's possible, dude. I've seen crazy, dude. I've seen crazy fucking up front. But when other comedians are saying, hey, I don't want to work with this guy because... yeah. Because he's he's got issues. That's and I mean, he's got issues. It's like all enough enough information comes out, right? Yeah. So well, if he's abusive to women, he's abusive to women, and uh, that's that. Yep. You know. Yeah, I don't give a fuck how t how funny you are, how talented you are. You do that shit to people. You do that to the women. I, I that's your piece of shit. Yep. So. All right. Thanks for nothing, TJ. Yep. Yeah. Tanks. So what uh, would you call TJ? What, what's TJ stand for now? Titty jiggler. No. Let's think of names. Really? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think of names. I don't care. All right. Uh, I don't. It doesn't matter. Hmm. Do we really have to do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're trying to make light of it. All right. Anyway, uh, that's all we got for Flicks of the Week. I, mean, this I, week. I don't mind making light of it, but I, I could care less about trying to figure out an acronym for his name, Titty Jiggler. Oh, wait. No, I know what it stands for. Tabloid Juicy. There we go. <sighs> No. <laughs> come on. All right. So No, no. Yeah. There's no come on on that. That was just stupid. There was come all over that. <laughs> it looked like a money shot. Ugh. All right. Anyway. All right. Uh, you, me, you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That's it. Kaput. Ugh. It's kaput. Kaput.